0: Welcome to the Popecast, episode three. This week, we've got a pope who knew personally more than one of the apostles, the actual apostles, and wrote a document that was this close to being included in the canon of the Bible. Batting cleanup for the young church at pope number four, it's St. Clement I. Hey there, I'm Matt Sewell, and this is the podcast about popes for people who like history but aren't so crazy about dry, dusty history books. This podcast will be a periodic look into the lives of one of the 264 men who have held or are currently holding the office of the Vicar of Christ, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. So St. Clement I, or Clement of Rome, as he's also known, we actually don't know much about him, historically speaking, before he was pope. Clement lived in the late 1st century, which means he's one of the few popes who actually knew both St. Peter and St. Paul, and perhaps others. In fact, it's this same Clement who's mentioned by name in Philippians 4, verse 3. And we have it on good authority from the church father Tertullian that Clement was ordained a priest and perhaps even a bishop by St. Peter himself before Peter's death around 67 A.D. To take a quick step back, one of the four marks of the Catholic Church as being the church that Jesus founded is apostolic succession, which just means that every bishop in the church today, even, can trace his episcopal lineage, essentially the ancestry of bishops, all the way back to one of the twelve apostles. At a bishop's ordination, he has three bishops present to bestow on him the office of bishop, a practice that extends all the way back to biblical times, as we see written in scripture in 1 Timothy 1, verse 6, and 4, verse 14, for just a couple of examples. So getting back to Clement, we hear Tertullian writing around the year 200 AD, explaining exactly this phenomenon of the laying on of hands, saying, quote, Let them exhibit the origins of their churches. Let them unroll the list of their bishops coming down from the beginning by succession in such a way that their first bishop had for his originator, and predecessor, one of the apostles or apostolic men. One, I mean, who continued with the apostles. For this is how the apostolic churches record their origins. The church of Smyrna, for example, reports that Polycarp was placed there by John, and here it is, that the church of Rome, that Clement was ordained by Peter, end quote. Now, even though Clement was ordained by Peter in the late 60s, he wouldn't become pope for another 25 years. Clement is known to be the fourth bishop of Rome, and we know this from three primary sources. St. Irenaeus, writing not quite 80 years after Clement's death, St. Eusebius, the earliest church historian, and St. Jerome, writing in the fourth century. Clement succeeded St. Linus and St. Cletus to become the third successor of St. Peter. And that lineup might sound familiar to any of you who have been to Mass and heard the Roman canon, more commonly known as Eucharistic Prayer I, just before the consecration. So in it, we hear the priest, after rattling off the names of the apostles, name five of the early popes, including those three, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Popes two through four, and then Sixtus referring to St. Sixtus II and Cornelius, Popes 24 and 21, respectively. Clement ascended to the papacy, obviously, when the church was still very young and still very much in danger of persecution from the Roman Empire. He's thought to have reigned as pope from 92 to 101 AD, and it was during Clement's papacy that the final apostle, St. John, went to his heavenly reward. At some point during his reign, Clement wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, the very same one that St. Paul wrote to you, but we'll hear more about that in a minute. Though there's no existing historical confirmation about his death, it's traditionally thought that St. Clement died a martyr's death at the hands of the Roman Emperor Trajan in the year 101. A couple of years before his martyrdom, Clement was banished by Trajan to Crimea, near modern-day Ukraine, to spend the rest of his days slaving away in a stone quarry. Once there, Clement wasted no time in evangelizing everyone around him and saw immense success in converting large numbers to the faith. Sadly, it was his zealous evangelism that got him killed, though surely Clement accepted his crown of martyrdom with great joy. He was sentenced to death by having an anchor tied around his neck and being thrown into the Black Sea. St. Clement's relics were obviously thought to have been lost to history, at least until the 9th century, when one of the famous missionaries to the Slavs, St. Cyril, discovered a set of bones and an anchor under a mound of earth on the shores of the Black Sea in the year 869. The relics are now split, with some being enshrined in the Basilica of St. Clement in Rome, and the rest residing in the Kiev Monastery of the Caves in the Ukraine. St. Clement's greatest achievement, and the thing for which he's easily best known, was his document to the church in Corinth, what's now known as Clement's first epistle to the Corinthians. Not only is this document the oldest existing Christian text outside of the actual New Testament itself, but Clement's letter was actually read as scripture in parts of the church before the canon we know today was solidified in the 4th century. Even St. Jerome, writing the 300s, notes that this letter of Clement's was still, quote, read publicly in certain churches even still. The letter addressed a number of things, First and foremost, the division that had erupted in the Corinthian church. Clement notes that the community used to be marked by humility and was renowned for its great faith. But he then points out that in its greatness, the church had become fat and lazy, saying, "...hence flowed emulation and envy, strife and sedition, persecution and disorder, war and captivity." So the worthless rose up against the honored, those of no reputation against such as were renowned, the foolish against the wise, the young against those advanced in years. For this reason righteousness and peace are now far departed from you, inasmuch as every one abandons the fear of God and is become blind in his faith. Neither walks in the ordinances of his appointment nor acts apart becoming a Christian, but walks after his own wicked lusts Resuming the practice of an unrighteous and ungodly envy by which death itself entered the world. Well, that'll get you. Anyway, the 59 paragraph letter exhorted the Corinthian Church to humble itself and become great once again, but it also tells us a few other things in particular, all of which contribute to the legacy of St. Clement, not to mention proof of the Church appearing very Catholic in the earliest centuries of Christianity. In particular, Clement's letter is a great source for the Roman church holding a special significance among and between other Christian communities. Clement begins the letter with a salutation specifically from the church at Rome and says the following, quote, Owing, dear brethren, to the sudden and successive calamitous events which have happened to ourselves, we feel that we have been somewhat tardy in turning our attention to the points respecting which you consulted us, End quote. This says loud and clear, not only that Corinth was in crisis, but that they appealed to specifically Rome for help. Clement, probably owing to a renewed persecution by the Romans, apologizes for his late response and then goes on to order, not request but order, the Corinthians who have been sinning to repent and submit to the priests and bishop of their community. So as one of my favorite writers, Joe Heschmeyer, writes over at the blog Shameless Popery, Quote, so you have the Roman church intervening in a local church dispute and issuing orders. You've got the Bishop of Rome speaking on behalf of the whole Church of Rome, and you've got all this going on while the Apostle John is still alive. End quote. Clement's legacy, in short, was leaving us good evidence for the primacy of the Bishop of Rome, the successor of Peter, less than 80 years after the death of Jesus, and not even a year or two from the death of the last Apostle. So to take us out this week, here's a quote from chapter 49 of Clement's first epistle to the Corinthians. Let him who has love in Christ keep the commandments of Christ. Who can describe the blessed bond of the love of God? What man is able to tell the excellence of its beauty as it ought to be told? The height to which love exalts is unspeakable. Love unites us to God. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love bears all things, is long-suffering in all things. There is nothing base, nothing arrogant in love. Love admits of no schisms. Love gives rise to no seditions. Love does all things in harmony. By love have all the elect of God been made perfect. Without love, nothing is well-pleasing to God. In love has the Lord taken us to himself. On account of the love he bore us, Jesus Christ our Lord gave his blood for us by the will of God. His flesh for our flesh and his soul for our souls. End quote. So that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. A quick note on the Popecast you've noticed by now that we aren't going in chronological order. Not only would that take forever, but instead the selection of popes, though sometimes dependent on the feast day of a given sainted pope, is solely meant to point us back to the church and by extension to Christ himself. And we'll find, as we continue to traverse this great history, that even the bad popes show us the importance of the papacy and the truth of the office of Peter, even if only in the inverse. As we go, the success of this podcast will rely on two things, aside, of course, from the grace of God. First, to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you're listening to this, and providing feedback on what you think. The more you rate, the more likely it's seen and listened to by others, and the better feedback I get, the better the podcast can become. And second, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash That donation, even at a buck per episode, will get you some sweet Patreon-only content, early access to PopeCast episodes, and will allow me to continue devoting time to producing these great bios. So that's patreon.com slash M-A-T-T-S-E-W-E-L-L, patreon.com slash So that's it for this week. Pope St. Clement I, pray for us. Until next time.